Well, you can be seated. I'm telling you, I, I love to come together and be able to, to pray together. Before uh, church tonight, I was watching Pastor Mark Brzee. They're in a prayer meeting down there and just primed my pump. You know, there's something about corporate prayer, even when you're watching it in another church. It's just good because it's the same spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, guess what? There's liberty and there's liberty in this place tonight. You came in with any kind of bondage, you're going to go home free. Any kind of sickness, you're healed. Any kind of oppression, it's got to go. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Well, we're going to teach a little bit from the Word of God, and then we'll just see what, what happens at the end of the service. It's, he's in charge. You all agree with that, and you're good with that. It's better to have him be in charge, isn't it? That's for sure. Let him have his will. Let him have his way. How many were not here last Sunday night? Were not here. There's a few of you that were not here. Last Sunday night, we started a two-part series. We'll finish tonight on step out, step in. And tonight, we're going to talk about step up. You know what? We are stepping. We're moving. Come here, my friend. Come here, Eleni. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Last week, she did so good, and so many of you raised your hands that you weren't here. So, I am going to read the definition of step. And she is, tag your it, she's going to do what I did 40 years ago. Run up down these <laughs> Okay, this is the definition of step. Keep this in mind. The act of moving, of placing your foot forward, backward, sideways, now the stairs, up or down. And this is a good one, as in walking, dancing. Do a little dance. <laughs> or climbing. Climb back up the stairs. All right. Didn't she do good? <laughs> now you have a visual on the word step. Now we are not stepping backwards. We're stepping out. Last week we talked about stepping out. Before we can step into and step up, it requires us to step out of some things, to step out of our past. Just by way of review, I'll give you one scripture we shared last week, Colossians 1.13 out of the Amplified. The Father has delivered and has drawn us to himself out. Aren't you glad you've been drawn out of the control and the dominion of darkness? And he has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. It's awesome that we've been, translate, we've been drawn out of darkness, out of the control and the dominion of Satan. How many of you are glad about that? But you know, it's really wonderful not just to know that we've been brought out of the devil's kingdom, but wow, to find out what we've been translated into. We've been brought out, but we're in the kingdom of God. And in his kingdom are all these wonderful benefits that we're finding out about. What's some benefits about being in the kingdom? I talked about it already. How many of you are healed? Isn't it good to know? In his kingdom, there's healing. There's peace. There's joy. 
We talked out of Romans 14, 17 last week. In the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace. Hallelujah. That's just a few of the things that are in His kingdom. Tonight we want to keep taking another step further and talk about stepping up. Stepping up into higher revelation. Stepping up into our promised land. Many stories in the Old Testament are parallel pictures of what Jesus did for us as the church. And I love this account over in Exodus chapter 3. This is when the Lord God showed up and he started talking to Moses. And he told Moses what he was going to do for the children of Israel and how he was going to use them. Use him. In verse 7 of Exodus 3, we'll look at it in the Amplified. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters and oppressors. For I know their sorrow and sufferings and trials. And now, he says, I will come down to deliver them out of the hand and the power of the Egyptians and bring them, everybody say that word, up. Bring them up. Bring them up. Hallelujah. He's still in verse 7. I just read verse 8. Bring them up out of that land to a land good and large, a land flowing with milk and honey and so on and so forth and so forth. It's a good place. Just take my word for it. But we can, der- we can derive encouragement out of verse 7 where he said, I have surely seen their oppression and affliction, and I have heard their cry. Are you glad that God sees you? Aren't you glad He hears your cry? It says over in 1 Peter 3 that His eyes are on the righteous and His ears are open unto their prayers. We can get happy just like right there because some people think have this attitude. Nobody sees me. Nobody hears me. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Oh, yes, they do. God sees you. His eyes are on you. His ears are open to the cry of His saints. And just like what He did here, He said, I've heard their cry, so I'm going to come down and I'm going to bring them up. That's exactly what the salvation message is about. God has us on His mind. He had us on His mind. He had these people on His mind. He said, I'm going to bring them out and I'm going to bring them up. He had you on His mind when He was on the cross. And his, what he, why did He do that? I'm going to bring them out of the kingdom of darkness so I can bring them up into the promised land. And what kind of a land did He say? I'm going to bring them into verse 8 again. <clears throat> Bring them into a good land. And then I like this. A large land. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land of plenty. 
The kingdom of God is full of plenty. It's full of all that we need. We have to come up in our thinking. We have to receive our inheritance. It's there for us, just like it was there for them. But we'll know if we follow, tracked out this story, we know what did they have to do? They had to go in and possess the land. Promise after promise. I brought you out of Egypt to bring you up and into your promised land, a large land, a land of plenty that flows with milk and honey. But they had to do something. They had to possess it. God has provided so much for us, but it's the very same principle. We have to possess it. Then let's look down in verse 17. He he says it again. And I have declared, I, I like this part. Read that with me. I will bring you up. There he's telling him again. Out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, all these people, these bad people, these ites, they had to go. The ites had to go because it was their land. The ites have got to go. And if there's some ites in your life, they got to go too. Arthritis, any other kind of itis, it's got to go. doesn't belong in your land. It doesn't belong in your body. He brought you out to bring you up. Into a land free of ites, hallelujah, free of any kind of pestilence. Glory to God. That's what he has provided for us. Now, it's interesting about the children of Israel's journey. It kind of parallels some of our lives. First, they were in a land of slavery and bondage. But God brought them out, and they were in this place in Egypt that was a place of not enough. Remember that when they were slaves. And then he brought them into the wilderness and he supernaturally provided for them. They were in a place of just enough. But the promised land was going to be a place of more than enough. A land of plenty. A land of health, wealth, joy, peace, overflowing. With goodness. You might be in the kingdom of God tonight, and I believe most of you are. So you've come out of the land of bondage, but you may just be, you know, you're on your journey. You might be in that place right now that you're in a place of just enough. But don't stay there. Don't settle down there. That was a mistake that the children of Israel made. They settled down in the wilderness. They had to spend 40 years there. That wasn't God's intent. He said, I'm bringing you out to bring you in to this land of more than enough. So let's get up. What do you say, church? Let's get up. Let's rise up. Let's get out of that place of just enough and press in this year to more than enough. Press, press into a land of plenty, plenty of health, plenty of strength, plenty of everything that you need. Hallelujah. Plenty of finances. It's all ours. It's our rich inheritance. It's our promised land. This might be new to some of you, and it's not heresy. It's in the Bible. It's what Jesus has done 
for us. The work of salvation. It's a complete redemption. He redeemed us spirit, soul, and body. Jesus said, I'm going to meet all of your needs. Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you. It's a kingdom benefit to have our finances met. It's a whole package. Some people say, well, isn't salvation, isn't going to heaven the most important thing? Well, of course it is. But we don't have to choose. It's not multiple choice. It's not take one out of three. He said, take it all. Take it all. It all belongs to us. Can anybody give him a big thank you, Lord? Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you for these rich benefits that all belong to us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, the Apostle Paul... He had a revelation of this walk that we're in and the progression that is required in obtaining the very best that God has for us. Familiar scripture over in Philippians chapter 3 and we'll begin at verse 12. Comment on that and we'll read down in that chapter. But Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 in the Amplified, Not that I have now attained this ideal, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of, to grasp, and to make my own that for which Christ Jesus, the Messiah, has laid hold of me and made me his own. Pastor Mark said it the last couple of Sundays, lay hold, be bold to lay hold of what he's done for us. Be bold to do it. Now the Apostle Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. All of these epistles were written by the Apostle Paul. Yet he is saying here, I have not arrived. There's so much more to know There's greater heights to go in God. But he also said it's my determined purpose that I will lay hold of what he has laid hold of me for. Now look at verse 13. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do. It is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. His one aspiration, he said, I'm going to forget the past and I'm going to reach for the future. Then he says in another place, I'm going to finish my course. And I'm going to finish my course with joy. I'm going to do what my hand finds to do. I'm going to do what the hand of the Lord is on me to do. He had such insight about pressing toward the go and letting go, stepping out of the past so he could step in to his future. Paul 
had a colorful past. You might think you've got some things in your past that you wished you didn't. But think about this. The Apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus before he was the Apostle Paul. And on the road to Damascus, he had this encounter with God, with a Holy Ghost. Told him, my hand's on you, Paul. Changed his name to Paul. Because before, Saul had been a persecutor of the church. He had tormented the church. He had tortured the church. And it wasn't that he just went on TV and made fun of Christians. He wasn't a stand-up comedian that made jokes about the church and the body of Christ. No, when he said he persecuted the church, that means he literally had them thrown in prison. He'd had people beheaded for preaching the gospel. I mean, he had to get a hold of this revelation or he could not have fulfilled his destiny. You think you have something in your past? When he wrote this, he had to stand up in front of the church saying people that he had persecuted. He maybe had to look a woman in the eye that he'd had her husband beheaded. Think of it. He had done these things. So he had to get it on the inside of him. I'm going to forget what I did in the past. That man is dead. I'm a brand... He's also the one that wrote, I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Saul died and Paul is alive under God. He's a brand new man. He had to get this in his heart that I am not an unworthy worm. I'm not the same man that persecuted the church. Some of you are saying, well, you don't know. I really messed up. But when you come to him and you start seeing yourself like Paul did in the word of God and in Christ, you realize he can take that mess and he can turn it into a message. He can take that test and turn it into a testimony. God is a master at fixing any disaster. God will restore and he will make better than before. That was the Apostle Paul's revelation. Some of you in here tonight, you need to say goodbye to the Dunn family. You know who they are? Should have done, would have done, could have done. That doesn't do you any good. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Everybody wave goodbye to the Dunn family. I'm not living there anymore. I'm not living in the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Hallelujah. I'm going to let go of the past and I'm going to reach toward my bright future. The Apostle Paul continued in verse 14. He said this, I press toward The goal. To win. How many of you want to win? You're created a winner. You are not a loser. You are more than a conqueror. He said, I'm pressing toward the goal to win. The supreme and the heavenly prize. 
There's a prize. Woo! There's something to be won. It's a prize to which God in Christ Jesus, and this is where I want you to see this. Read that with me. Is calling us where? Upward. Calling us where? Upward. Upward. There's a press. There's a press to live by faith. There's a press to keep our eye on the prize. There's a press to keep the eternal perspective. This life is not all that there is. What we do in this life determines what we win in heaven and eternity. But this isn't it, folks. There is a prize. There's an eternal perspective. Hallelujah. And when we keep our eyes on Him, what does He do? He calls us upward. He's constantly pulling us upward. God does not drag us through the mud, the crud, the muck, and the mire to teach us something. He doesn't grind you to powder. He doesn't beat you down and make you feel like the lowest of the lowest. No, this is what God does to God, to which God in Christ Jesus is, read that with me again, calling us upward, upward. We're moving on up in Christ Jesus, calling us upward. He thinks of that song, I think of love lifted me. (laughs) Love. What did love do? What did the love of Jesus do? Did the love of Jesus say, yeah, you're really terrible. You are one of the worst sinners I have ever seen. I'm just going to keep you beat down. And maybe if you try real hard, I'll let you sneak into heaven. No, love lifted me when nothing else could help. When I was at the end of my rope. When I was in a deep, dark pit, it wasn't too deep and it wasn't too dark for the love of God. Woo! Love reached down. The children of Israel, he said, I've heard their cry and I've come down that I might bring them up. That's what he did for you. You might have been down, but when you said, Jesus, his love reached down and lifted you up. How many of you are glad about that? Love reached down and it lifted me up. Hallelujah. The psalmist said over in Psalms 3, 3, one of my favorite scriptures, but you, O Lord, you are the shield for me. You are my glory and you are the one that lifts up my head lifts up my head. Does somebody in here tonight need a lift? Let me see here. Anybody in here need a lift? No, and I'm not talking about a faith lift. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. I know we live in California. I didn't get a word there, but I know that we live where they're in California where everybody, there's the nip and the tuck and the lift and the suck and, you know, all of that stuff that happens. But I'm not talking about that kind of a lift. Yeah, we're not going to go there. We're talking about love lifted me. Listen to this definition of lift. I like these. 
to raise, to elevate. And I don't know why, I really like this one. You have to listen real good. The aerodynamic force acting on an aircraft that is exerted, now listen to this, in an upward direction opposing the pull of gravity. Somebody had to discover how to do that with those great big huge jets. But I like how it says that. It has to be exerted in an upward direction to oppose the pull of gravity. As believers, when we keep our gaze where? Down here? No. In an upward direction. Just like that definition of lift. We keep our gaze in an upward direction. Then guess what? The power of God comes on us and opposes the pull of the world and the devil. Just like if that plane pointed in an upward direction, the force of gravity opposes the pull of gravity back to the earth. We can't be looking down, though. If we want to have a lift, we got to be looking up. Look up. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. This is not the day nor the hour to be sad and to be looking down and talking about how bad everything is. Don't get your focus on everything that's going on down here. But look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. Look up, be lifted up by my glory and my presence. I am the glory and the lifter up of your heads. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. He lifts us up. Woo! His power, His glory, it's greater than the tactics or the strategies or the lies of the devil that would try to pull us down. Yeah, that's what the devil does. He tries to pull people down. He tries to weigh them down with burdens and cares. He tries to weigh them down with sickness and disease. And have you ever noticed a person that's dealing with real severe depression? What are they doing? Most of the time they're looking down. They won't even look up and look at you in the eyes. They're looking down. What is that? It's because the devil knows he's going down. He's going down into the pit. So he's trying to pull people down with him. But the power of God and the glory of God on us is greater. We're not going to be pulled down. What are we going to be? We're going to be lifted up. We're stepping up. Love lifted me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You are lifting us up into a higher place. Thank you, Father, for it. We're going there by your glory.
and by your grace. Now, I know most of you in here tonight, you're saying, I want to go higher. I want to be changed. But how do I do it? I can't do it in and of myself. None of us can. But the good news is we don't have to. Glory be to God. Let me share one more scripture with you in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Emancipation from bondage and fear. Over in the book of John, I believe in the 8th chapter, the Bible says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We have been liberated. We've been given the ability to walk in freedom. Hallelujah. We're free in Jesus. Nothing has to hold us down or to bind us. Now, verse 18, I know I said another translation. We'll just look at verse 18. Uh, Actually, I think we will in the NLT. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is that Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. I like how it said that there. All of us who have had that veil removed. Before we received Jesus, it was like our eyes were covered. The eyes of our heart were in darkness and we couldn't see Him. But when we received Him, the veil has been removed. The blinders are off. Hallelujah. And we see Him as the glory and the lifter of our head. Now that same passage in in the Amplified. I preach myself happy and almost hoarse here, but that's okay. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continued, there's a key word, continued. How are we going to stay living up and in this place? Because we're going to continue to behold where? In the Word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And we will be constantly being transfigured into His very own image in ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is that Spirit. Change. It doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from us looking at ourselves in the mirror. We can look at ourselves all day in the mirror and say, Man, I got to do something about myself. And, you know, we're not going to go back there about the lifting and all that stuff. But change doesn't come, spiritual change doesn't come by us staring in the mirror all day. It does not come by us beholding us. This just came to me today. Change does not come by us beholding us. It comes by us beholding Him. By us beholding Him. Not looking in a natural mirror, but looking into the mirror of the Word of God. That's how we step out, step in, and step up 
is by continually looking in this mirror. Whoa! I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Whoa! I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. What? I have the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God is formed within me. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm more than a conqueror. I've been raised up together with him. What did that say? Woo! Start seeing yourself in this mirror. Find verses that promise who we are in Christ Jesus and declare them about yourself. If we're going to talk to ourselves, you know a lot of us talk to ourselves. If you're going to talk to yourself, make it a worthwhile conversation. (laughs) Talk to yourself about what you see in this mirror. Don't talk to yourself about how horrible you are and how you lack this and how you can't do that. Make it a worthwhile conversation and talk to yourself about how you see yourself in the Word of God. And then he said when we do this constantly that we're going to be changed from one degree of glory unto the next. There's levels. There's stages of growth for a natural baby and there's levels and there's stages of growth in the realm of the spirit. Let me close with this. Years ago, a good friend of ours, Patsy Caminetti, she had this vision as she was praying and she saw this stairway going up all the way up to heaven. And at the bottom stair, it was a real wide stair and the door was huge. It was as big as the stair. And as the stairs continually went up, the doorways got smaller and the stairs got more narrow and more smaller. She's, Lord, what is this? And he said, the higher you want to go in me, then the less of you there can be. The higher you want to go, you've got to take off more junk. You know, when, it, when we, the wide is, we can get born again. Anybody can get born again and step in to the kingdom of God. That's the first step and that's glorious and that's awesome. But to go higher in the things of God, we have to be like the Apostle Paul. It's my determined purpose to know him better. And then over in Hebrews chapter 12, to lay aside some weights. They might not necessarily be sins, but if you've got all this stuff on you, it can keep you from going to the next level. How many of you want to get rid of some stuff that might keep you on a lower level? How many of you are ready to go up higher? Higher. Hallelujah. Lord, that is our cry. Let's all stand. That is our desire. Oh, hallelujah. To be lifted up by your glory. To be lifted up by your love. To to take the next step into what you have prepared for us. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just pray in the Spirit for a moment. Just see what the Spirit of God wants us to do before we close here tonight. There is a call in the realm of the Spirit. And this call is calling us 
Callings are calling. There is a calling. And this calling is beckoning us to come up higher in Him. To step into our redemptive rights and privileges. To know where we are seated. When you come up in me, you'll have a different perspective. You'll see from my vantage point, raised up together with me. When you take your rightful position and place, and your radamosabrata far above, far above all principalities and powers. When you take your rightful position, then you namasobrataha. Not only does it affect you, but it will affect the authority that you walk in, and it will affect the way that you pray. For too many of my people are praying from down here. Oh, praying down here on the level of begging and pleading. But I want my people to raise up and to pray from their position of authority. From that position of knowing who they are in Christ. From that position of knowing who they are and what I have done for you. So pare so So make a decision to take a step up. Take a step up for you, but take a step up for me. So you can be my mouthpiece. So you can pray more effectively. Hallelujah. Oh, let's do that right now. Let's make that decision. Oh, we're stepping up. We're stepping up.